take our hand right now and just guide us. And let's just invite your presence in, Father. 
Lord, just remind us that in this place, in this place that we are loved, and we are loved by a good Father. So just remind us uh, in our times of doubt, in our times of fear and depression, that you are above all of it. That we have a Father we can run to. Thank you for everything, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we are so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. Um, About a month ago, I actually uh, sent out a video in response to some of the racial injustice that we have seen in our country. And if you didn't get a chance to look at that, you can by going to the website, uh, thejar.org, and you can check it out there. Basically, I said racism is sin. It is not from God. It is from the evil one. And it is always dark and it's always ugly and it always leads to injustice. And in the midst of that whole process, I began the time to actually think about what response would I make. And so as a pastor, I began to start thinking How could I respond to this? And so one of the things that I decided is that I would actually start talking to uh, a friend of mine who's a black pastor in uh, Texas who we went to seminary together. And so since that time, we've actually met uh, three different times, uh, connecting uh, with one another, learning to uh, understand each other and the whole issue of race. Uh, one of the pieces of that is that we actually uh, started reading a book together called Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. And so the staff uh, and myself then kind of committed ourselves to praying for a period of time, uh, asking God to give us some direction. And kind of the focus that came back was that we wanted to actually Uh, call in all of us to be praying 
for this. And so uh, those of you that are here, uh, in your cup holder is a little prayer guide that you can look at. And for those of you that are online, you can actually go to uh, the jar.org slash race. And there we have not only this guide, but many other resources that we think will help with that as well. And so we're just encouraging everyone to really kind of come down to praying uh, once uh, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, once each day for these areas. Things like praying for an end of racism, praying for personal and church growth, praying for uh, creating a dialogue with someone who's different than you, of actually praying for those who protect and serve us, those who are police officers, and praying for the next generation, both kids and also schools, that they would get it more right than what we have. And so we've continued to ask people to give us some guidance. We're kind of working towards creating a team of people that will work together to focus on this. Because this is what is true. We want to become a biblically functioning church in all areas, including the area of race. And we believe very strongly that prayer moves God and God can move the mountain of racism. So we want to encourage you to begin this prayer process this week. So now let's take a moment to actually check out our announcements for this week. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Jar. We're so glad you joined us today, whether you're here in person or on the live stream. My name is Emily, and I have just a few announcements for you. Well, whether you've been coming to The Jar for years or this is your first time connecting with us, we'd love for you to fill out our Connect card. It's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better and connect with you. So whether you're here in person or online, you can head over to thejar.org slash stream to do that, and our chat room host will assist you with that. You can also download our JAR app and fill out all of those things there. Well, if you're here in person with us today, there is a Connect card right there in the holder and the cup holder of your chair. So you can fill that out and drop it in the black box on your way out of the door today. If this is your first time joining us today, I want to invite you to stop by our guest connection table, which is out in the lobby. They have a free gift for you, no strings attached. Or if you're live streaming for the first time, you can head over to thejar.org slash new, fill out a short form and let us know that you're here today. Well, if you have recently made a commitment to Jesus and you're ready to make it public, we're going to have a baptism on August 23rd at Prairie Creek Reservoir. Getting baptized doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It just means that you want to commit to doing things God's way instead of your own. The baptism is going to be a little bit different this year. In order to keep everyone healthy, we're only going to include family and close friends of those getting baptized and we'll be providing a meal for them. But don't worry, we'll be filming the entire event so that everybody can be a part of it. If you would like to get baptized, you can sign up for the baptism class, which will be after church on August 2nd. Uh, just go to the jar.org slash baptism, or you can check the baptism box on the back of your Connect card. Well, Jar Kids is hosting a brand new event this year on Friday, July 31st called Floats, Family, and Fun. This event will be a time where families and kids can make root beer floats and decorate with sidewalk chalk and get a family picture taken. 
They'll be doing social distancing and it'll be outside, but we would like you to please RSVP to this event. So you can do that at thejar.org slash chalk. Well, at this time, we'd like to give you an opportunity to give financially to the mission of the JAR, which is to love our community into a relationship with Jesus. If this is your first time connecting with us, please don't feel pressured to give. But if the JAR is your church home, we encourage you to give generously because God has given so generously to us. Whether you're here in person or live streaming, it's super easy to give online. You can give by going to the jar.org slash stream or the JAR app, or you can text give to the number on your screen. Or if you prefer to give in person, there will be offering boxes at the doors as you exit the building today. So you can drop your offering there on your way out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we're able to meet together here at the Civic Um, I thank you for this offering that we're giving today. I pray that you would use it to make an impact in our community and to draw people near to you. Be with Chris as he teaches. Help him to speak your words and help us to take those words, apply them to our life, and see a change. Amen. I grew up never really handling my anger very well at all. I didn't necessarily throw temper tantrums, and I wasn't disrespectful to my parents, but in a real way, I did not manage my anger that well. I'll never forget one time uh, my sister was taking a shower, and I thought she was taking the shower a little bit too long. So I politely knocked on the door at first, and she still would not hurry up. And then I knocked a little louder. And then finally, I got so mad because she wouldn't get out of the shower and let me use the restroom that I kicked the door at the bottom, and my foot went through the door. And when this happened, you can just imagine she wasn't very happy, and my dad definitely wasn't happy because this wasn't our house. This was the parsonage. So he had to get these metal plates and put them on every single door in the actual house. In high school, I can remember getting in some tussles uh, on the basketball court and off the basketball court. I just did not kind of handle or manage my anger that well the first part of my life. But you would think that once I became an adult, that then I would move beyond my childish ways. And I would see the light. And I would actually begin to start being more mature. You would be wrong. Okay? It did not happen. Shortly after Jennifer and I got married, my anger did die down for a while. But every time she would push buttons, which spouses always know what button to push to create anger, she would do so, and then I would yell at her, or I would belittle her, or I would see her crumble a little bit each time. And the breaking point finally came in year three. We woke up one morning. And she was getting ready to go to Indianapolis to medical school. And I was getting ready to go to the church. And she said, hey, tonight, I want to make your special meal that you love the most, spaghetti with meatballs. And she said, I don't want you to just go ahead and eat this. I actually want us to make it together. And so 
She just had one request. Be on time. And so I said, no problem, I'll be on time. And so the day went on, it got pretty busy. And in the afternoon, yeah, you all know where this is going, right? And so in the afternoon, uh, I had to go to the hospital to visit a couple of people. And I got so far behind that I was about an hour off. And this was before cell phones, so I couldn't call. I guess I could have called from the hospital, but I didn't. And then I remember walking into the house, and when I walked in, I was thinking that the meal would be prepared and all would be well, and all I had was my wife with her hands on her hips looking at me and going, why are you always late? And at that point, I lost it. I started yelling and screaming, and there was some raw hamburger right beside the stove. And I picked it up, and I threw it against the wall, and hamburger went everywhere. And I started yelling, and I walked out of the house, and I was gone for two hours by myself. Now, when I came back, I thought for sure that my lovely bride would have a spaghetti dinner all ready for me with candlelight and all the works. And when I walked in, that was not the case. There was hamburger all over the wall. The spaghetti was still in the box. And our bedroom door was closed with just a little light at the bottom of the door. And I realized in that moment, folks, I was not living with my mama anymore. I was actually living with a woman who had her own mind. You see, this is the truth, folks. My inability to handle my anger caused this, and I needed some help. And so I actually went, and I got some counseling, and I took some anger management classes And I decided in that moment that I would not live on Anger Island again. So here's my question for you. Do you have a problem with anger? Do any of you ever have the experience where your anger gets to a point where it causes you to sin? Have you ever gotten angry at God to the point where you were mad and you walked away? Now, I think God must have known that you and I would struggle with anger. And so he gave us the story of Jonah and specifically in chapter four that we'll talk about today and his anger that is unleashed. Now, for some of you, maybe you haven't checked us out for the first three weeks of this series. I encourage you to go to thejar.org, and you can watch any of the previous ones. But I want to just kind of give us a recap of exactly the story of Jonah, what we've learned so far. First of all, Jonah was a reluctant prophet. Uh, God told him to go in a certain area called Nineveh, and he ran the opposite way. He told him to speak a message to the people, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes 2,500 miles the opposite direction to a place called Tarshish, and while he's on a boat, the sailors have this horrible storm, and they throw Jonah off, and a fish comes and swallows him up. While he's in the midst of the fish, he 
repents and he asks God for help, and God actually spares his life. And Jonah gets a second chance. And when he gets the second chance, he says, God, whatever it is that you call me to do, I will actually do now. And so he goes to Nineveh. He gives this message that is hard because the people of Nineveh were brutal, violent people. And so he gives this message and they actually repent. 120,000 of them turn away from their sin and they turn toward God. Now, you would think that in this moment, Jonah's only response would be filled with joy. Like, yes, you know, I'm so glad this is happening. But this didn't happen. And in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we read this. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became what? What's the word? Angry. Angry. 120,000 people who were far from God turning around and they start walking towards him and their lives are changed. But instead of being happy, Jonah is angry and mad and he is ticked off. I mean, this man was on fire, but it wasn't on fire for God. It was on fire because he was so angry. Verse 2 says this, he prayed to the Lord. Now, this is interesting to me. Uh, There's only two times in all of Jonah that we find that he actually prays. The first time is when he's in the fish, the giant fish in the belly, and he prays, God, please help get me out of here. And then the second time he prays because he's angry. Now, this is my question for each one of you. When do you pray? When do you pray? Do you pray when you're in a pickle and you're in trouble and that's when you pray? Or do you you pray when you're angry and you're upset and God's not doing what you think he should be doing? This is what I want to say. Don't settle for a relationship with God that the only time you're talking to him is when you're in a bind and you need something or when you're angry. Go much deeper than that. Well, Jonah is just kind of sitting there and he's angry and he's mad. So he prays to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? It's kind of like. Jonah is saying to God, I told you so. I knew what kind of God you would be. That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. I knew that you are slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. And so Jonah's emotions, they're, they're like raw. They're like, I'm not just angry, I'm passionately angry about this. And in verse 3, it says this, Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? It's like, I'd rather die than to actually live because of what he did or she said. I got a pimple on my face. I'd rather 
Look at this. I got a pimple and the mic's going down. I, I, I've got a pimple on my face and, you, you know, I'd just rather die. And Jonah's mad and he's angry because God actually forgave the Ninevites. These brutal, nasty, violent people who killed men, women, and children, and even some of God's people. And yet God chooses to forgive. He gives a second chance. And Jonah just can't deal with this. Because now, you see, Jonah has this great contradiction. This contradiction of, okay, you gave me a second chance, God. I'm so grateful for that. But I don't want to give them a second chance. Has that ever happened in your life before? Where... Someone does exactly the thing that you just did, and you're so grateful that God gave you forgiveness, but you just won't forgive them for what they did. And you see, Jonah's angry because he's been forgiven, but he's like, never, 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 no. No, 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 I'll never forgive the Ninevites. You see, Jonah was angry because he had been hurt by Nineveh. This morning, I have a feeling that some of you might be carrying some anger here today. Part of the thing that's so weird about church right now is that all of us are here, but the elephant in the room is all of us aren't here. It looks smaller. It looks different. We walk in. We have masks. We see things differently. And we start just wondering to ourselves, I'm just so mad that things aren't the way that they should be. I'm angry that things aren't going the way that they should be. And this morning, maybe some of you find yourselves during this COVID season of just finding yourself getting a little bit more angry earlier on. Maybe for some of you, your anger has come because somebody recently has done something to you and you're carrying bitterness, you're harboring it towards someone who hurt you. Maybe they hurt you Physically, maybe they abused you emotionally, maybe they abused you sexually, maybe they abused you verbally. Maybe you've just been told your whole life you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it enough, you don't amount to anything, and you sit there today and you're kind of broken and fragile and hurt, and the thing is, is you think to yourself, the one thing that I can hold on to, though, the one thing that I can hold on to is unforgiveness. No matter what anyone else says, I can still hold on to that. And truth be told, you're just angry and bitter and you're ticked off. Now some of you walked in today or some of you are aligned today and you're like, I'm not angry. I don't, I'm not ticked at anything. But there's kind of this under the surface kind of bitterness. Uh, You're kind of resentful. You just have a little resent towards somebody. Maybe it's someone who asked for a loan from you and you gave it to them and they've never paid you back. And you think about it every once in a while. Maybe you're resentful because your boss did not give you the raise that you were supposed to get. Maybe you're resentful because your spouse did something maybe this morning And you walked in and you're just a little bit ticked off at them. Maybe you're resentful at your adult kids 
Because your adult kids don't call you as much as you wish they would. Maybe you're resentful at your parents because they aren't treating you the way that you think they should. And here's the thing, folks. We have to forgive. You have to forgive. God has actually called all of us to forgive. And if you want to live in freedom, the kind of freedom where you walk through your days and you're filled with joy, even though the circumstances may not always be great, it all begins and ends when we forgive. So let me ask you this morning, who do you need to forgive? Who do you, in your life, do you need to forgive? You might write it down. You might actually pull out your phone, you know, and uh, rather than texting someone, text a message to yourself that says, forgive Joe, forgive Jill, forgive this person. Who is it in your life that you need to forgive? I mean, who's hurt you? Who's offended you? Who has slandered you in some way? Jesus put it this way. He said, For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will... What's the next word? Not forgive your sins. You know what might be the scariest verse in the Bible? That one right there. God says, If you... Don't forgive other people, then he can't forgive you. So the thing is, don't wait. If there's someone that you need to forgive, someone has hurt you, someone's done something, forgive and do it now. And on the same foot, if you've hurt someone, if you've gossiped about somebody, if you've talked about somebody behind their back because it's easy to do kind of in this COVID season uh, to just talk about others, then ask for forgiveness. Make it right. Well, I'll tell you one thing, that Jonah is not interested in forgiveness at all. He could care less about forgiveness. He's not open to that at all. He is perfectly fine to stay ticked off and mad. But God goes ahead and he engages Jonah. And in verse 4, it says this But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? It's like, Jonah, 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 Jonah. Like, come on. Come on. 120,000 people have turned to me and you're mad? Like, What's that about? Why are you so angry? And God's hoping that Jonah will be like, God, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. Sorry for being arrogant. You forgave me. You gave me a second chance. I see why you do it for them as well. But it doesn't work that way. Look at what it says in verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. He's like a three-year-old. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I don't like what God did. I'm going to be over here on the side, on the east side. East side. But I'm still mad. Right? And here, Jonah gets to the east of the city and he says this. 
There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and wanted to see what would happen to the city. Here, Jonah doesn't like what answer he gets, and so he leaves the city. He's like, God forgets you, I'm leaving you, I'm out. Can you imagine, like, God asks a question, and Jonah just walks away. That ever happened to you before? God asks you a hard question, a difficult question, but what you do is you find yourself just walking away from God because you don't want to deal with the hard thing that he's asking. Then in verse 6 it says, Then the Lord God provided. Let's all say that out loud together. Then the Lord God provided. The Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. This is what I want you to know. God cares about the small stuff in your life. God cares about everything in your life, even the small stuff, and he longs to hear from you. Jonah's hot. The sun's like beating down on his bald head. He's like, man, I'm going to get burnt. And God comes and brings him comfort and some shade. Now, this next section, though, folks, is very, very odd to me. Uh, This is what it says. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a warm, uh, provided a worm, a warm worm, okay, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. So here's God, and he's like, I love you, Jonah. I'm going to take care of you, Jonah. He grows this vine that gives him shade, and everything is fine, and he's feeling good about all of the world. And then God also sends this worm, and this worm gets into this vine, and it destroys it, and the sun comes, and the wind's beating on him, and Jonah starts to pass out. And Jonah can't handle this anymore. And look at what the text says. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And Jonah is like over this. He's mad. He's ticked off. And he is not content at all. He was content when everything was going well, but now he is not content. And he is not the least bit excited about his life. Let me ask you this morning this question. Are you content? Where you're at right now, in the midst of COVID, all kinds of craziness going on in our nation, are you content? Are you excited about where you're at? In your life. You know, there are a lot of people, especially during COVID, that just have not been happy because it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. Things aren't right. And so then what happens is they're 
not happy with their life and then they're not happy with their marriage and where it is. And then a lot of people don't get very happy with their career. And a lot of people become unhappy with some of the decisions that they've made and that are happening around them. And a lot of people simply walk through this season right now unhappy with where they are at in life. And this is where Jonah is. He is not happy about his life. Now, I want you to know, folks, that the overarching theme of the book of Jonah is provision. God provides. God loves Jonah so much. He cares for him. He knew when he was born and he knew when he would die and he would he knew what to send to Jonah to draw him closer to the one who knew him best and loved him most. And sometimes he would send a fish that would take care of him and other times he would send a vine that would give protection over his head. But other times he would actually send a storm into his life or he would send a worm. And some scorching wind. Now the question becomes, why? Why does he send the worm and the scorching wind and the storms? I mean, why not just blessings all the time? Why, why don't we just get blessings from God? Just bless us, bless us, bless us all the time. Nothing difficult in life, just bless us. Well, he sends some of these things, not because God is mean. A lot of people think, well, God's a meanie. Like, he's just really, really mean. He's angry all the time. That's not it. God is good, and God is love. But he chooses to provide exactly what Jonah needs in this season. And this is what I want to share. God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. Let me say that again. God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. He, he is more concerned about you living a holy life than it is you living a happy life. You see, folks, this is the truth. The same God sent both the vine and he sent the worm. He sends both, both of these things because this is the truth. God's greatest desire, folks, is not your comfort and your happiness. His greatest desire is that you would become more dependent upon Him. That you would actually give more and more of your life to Him. Because He realizes in those seasons of struggle, it's where He develops character in your life. You look more like Christ in those seasons when he develops patience and persistence and endurance. And it, have you ever noticed, it's in those difficult seasons. We don't think about it at the time. But when we step back, we're like, man, that's where my faith grew so much. Your faith often doesn't grow on the mountaintop. It grows in the valley where you're struggling, but you're so dependent upon God that you grow closer to him. Well, Jonah is a mess. He's like, God, I don't think you provided anything for me because the sun is beating down on me and this worm has come and he doesn't even want to talk to God at all. But God responds by asking Jonah this question. Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? And then look at Jonah's response. This is what he says. I do. 
I am angry enough to die. I mean, think about that. He's ready to commit suicide over the fact that the stupid plant isn't growing. Like, how ridiculous is that? Folks, here's the reality of Jonah chapter 4. It's all about Jonah. The whole chapter is about Jonah. It's about me. It's about my anger. It's about my unforgiveness. It's about my discontent. Chapter 4 is all about Jonah. Now, my question for you this morning is this. Is life all about you? Is life all about you? And don't be too quick to uh, answer, because many of you would be like, absolutely not. I mean, I'm at church today, Chris. It's not about me. I'm listening online. It's not about me. But let me ask this question. What if we just all got out our checkbooks right now, and let's see how much of your life is about you, and how much of it is about giving away to others? What about the time that you spent? Is it stuff you do for yourself or is it for others? Is it all about your clothes? Is it all about your car? Is it all about your house? Is it all about the remote control? Is it all about Facebook or Instagram or what I put on Twitter? Is it all about TikTok? Because I can do me some renegade. It's like, Uh Uh-huh. And this is the struggle with social media, folks, is that it's always about me and what I think. And what happens is we talk over each other. We just stop listening to one another. You know why there's racism? Because some people think it's all about them. You know why some people don't change and they don't ever have understanding or want to understand somebody else? Because they think it's all about them. So again, you need to ask yourself, is it all about me? It's a question I need to ask. Is it all about Chris? Well, Jonah's over there and he's kind of laying down in the fetal position and the the, the sun's beating down in this hot wind, and he's ready to die and kill himself. And we just think, well, poor guy, poor Jonah, poor little guy's plant, just, now he's hot. It's like burning his head. Then look at what God says in these next two verses. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh, let's actually say those two words together, those last two, but Nineveh, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Here, what God basically says is Jonah, life isn't all about you. It's not about your anger. It's not about your unforgiveness. It is about Nineveh. Life is about Nineveh. Life is about Nineveh. Life is about Nineveh. And the question then becomes, well, what is Nineveh? Nineveh is when you walk outside your house and you lock eyes 
with any other human being. Because we live in a world where racism runs rampant, where police officers are disrespected, where politicians think it's all about them, and we live in a world where marriages are falling apart, and where kids don't have dads, and where homeless people don't have food, and elderly people are ignored, and we're in Nineveh. And folks, life is not about us. Life is about Nineveh. Life is about others. Can you imagine what would happen in the jar if just every single one of us, as we walk through our week this week, we said, it's not about me, God. Life is not about me. Life is about others. Life is about Nineveh. And we go ahead and we reach out to our neighbor and we mow their yard or we invite them over for a cookout or we wash their car. I'm just going to be this kind of person. I'm going to extend grace to people who don't even deserve it. God, I am committed to Nineveh. I mean, can you imagine what lives would be changed in our community if all of us just said, it's not about me, it's about Nineveh. Folks, life is not about us. Life is way too short just to be about us. And so this week, where Will you make a difference? A couple of weeks ago, I was um, running. And I was running, and all of a sudden, my left Achilles starts hurting, and my right calf, and I'm just struggling, and I'm starting to kind of complain to God, like, God, I just hate this. I hate that I'm always in pain when I'm running, and I'm not as young because I'm old now. I only got one more year and then I turn a half century old, okay? And so there's like all this pain in my legs and I'm complaining. And I run back into our neighborhood and as I'm running down this street, there's a guy in a wheelchair. And he's got this small little tree. And he's got a garden hose. And he's watering it. And I looked at that, and as I'm running by, I wave at him, and he waves at me, and I thought to myself, I wonder how many waves this guy will even get today. How many people will just ignore him and move on? I had this image that I'm Jonah, I'm running away. And unlike Jonah, who's complaining about the heat coming down, this guy's actually doing something. And I felt a whisper from the Holy Spirit, not audibly in my ears, but just in my spirit, that in that moment, Chris, quit complaining and see the people in need that are around you. Life is not about God, right now I come to you, first of all, to ask for forgiveness for myself. My selfishness, my poor attitude, my willingness to run by people in need that are around me. God, you placed us on earth so that we would be able to change people's lives for eternity through your power. So right now, if you want God to use you, 
If you're like, you know what, Chris, you are so right. COVID has made me kind of distance myself rather than be used by God. If that's you, if you're ready to say, I want God to use my life. I want him to use me to change the eternity of someone else. Would you just raise your hand for a moment? If you're saying, God, I just want you. Uh, Those of you that are online, just raise your hand, whatever room you're in. I want you to change me, to use me so that lives could be changed. If you would just raise your hand, let me pray for you. God, I come to you right now and I just pray for every hand that's raised. That in the midst of COVID and racial unrest, God, would you give us a desire to help and impact the lives of others? Remind us that life is not about us. It's not about our comfort or our happiness, but it's about the sense of drawing closer into a character of Christ and being holy unto you. God, would you ignite a fire deep within us and use us to change this Put your hand down. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now, or maybe you're on the stream right now, and the truth is, life has been all about you. It's been all about you lately. And maybe you're a Christian, maybe you've drifted away, maybe you're just like, no, that, that's true. And if that's you, and you're like, today, though, I want that to change, I want Christ in my life, I want Him in my life, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we all pray in unity together, in which you would just say, Lord, you know, forgive me. I need your grace. I need a second chance. I need new life in you. And if that's you, I simply invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. I give my life to you. I belong to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, if you said that prayer for the very first time, I want you to know that all of heaven is celebrating with you today. And we are here celebrating with them as well. And so uh, if you said that prayer for the first time, uh, when you walk through the doors, just right to the left, there would be someone there that would love to pray with you and give you a free gift. And uh, if you don't want the prayer, that's okay. Just uh, get the gift. And uh, that's cool. Um, If you said that prayer for the very first time, if you can just tap on the raise hand on your screen and uh, one of our hosts would reach out to you. If you need prayer for anything, uh, just go ahead. Our hosts are there to pray for you as well. If you'd like prayer for anything, if God spoke to you in some way, when you walk through the doors, just right to the left. If you'll just stay uh, seated just for a second, uh, the ushers will actually come and they will escort you out. When you walk out, uh, you'll just walk on out the doors and then you can connect and talk to each other maybe uh, out on the sidewalk. But if you can do that, uh, that would be great. Uh, Listen, just remember that this week, life is not about you. So give your life away to someone else and know that you are loved in this place. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next Sunday.